0: everyone. Welcome to another episode of the All the Things ADHD podcast with Lee and Amy, or Amy and Lee, if we want to go alphabetical. Um, today is part three, unsurprisingly, of our conversation around the too muchness, the maximalist, the all the things... Elements of ADHD, particularly as it impacts us. But in this episode, we're really focusing on how it impacts us as Writers and what it means for us as writers Um, we share our struggles um, and uh, We share um, What works and really what isn't working because we are a work in progress and we don't have it all figured out and Not only are we doing our best to help ourselves, but hopefully also to help you and to help each other. Um, I think that really comes through in this episode. So sit back, enjoy learning, uh, random, more random facts about John Carpenter and, uh, eighties dystopian movies. Um, I know that I will re-listen to these episodes specifically for that. Um, I'm so happy Amy got to share them, uh, with everyone because, if you ever want um, your friend to, like, really have your friends understand what is ADHD, um, then you should just give them these three episodes, but maybe in particular this episode, um, because it's the good with the bad in this one. So uh, enjoy. As always, I'm Ready Right In on Twitter. Amy is DigiWonk. Um, you can email us at allthethingsadhd@gmail.com at gmail.com uh, or visit our website, allthethingsadhd.com and uh thanks again for listening um so here you go back to part three so
1: like i think you and i both know our needs here we both know that we're maximalist writers full of ideas Mm -hmm. and we know that we're funny writers and like we have flowing prose styles that people enjoy reading but like i know that i need help cutting stuff down I need help organizing and I feel ashamed of that because I feel like I should know (laughs) how to do this for my own ideas but I don't but then another thing that I feel is that the kind of help that I need would overwhelm people because like I can dash off 6,000 words in a day about RoboCop Mm -hmm. or Escape from New York or about how John Carpenter's father was actually a music professor in Kentucky did you know that? No, I knew that. And do you know why he uses so many synthesizers? Because he's not actually a good musician. And if you learn the synthesizer, you can make it sound like other things. So that very specific John Carpenter sound is a factor of his lack of musical fluency. Oh, side quest. Right. So the point (laughs) I was trying to make, right. I just needed to share that with people because I learned it and it's a waste if I don't get to teach somebody about John Carpenter. And like, yeah, I'm just about to start again. So I'm going to reel it back. But So the kind of help I need is like, I will produce 6,000 words about something and I can write it really fast and I can Mm -hmm. read it really fast and I can Mm -hmm. make notes on other people's stuff really fast, but I give it to other people and they are completely overwhelmed. Right. I'm like, would you read this for me? It's like, it's one chapter, but it's 22,000 words currently. And 2000 of those are footnotes, (laughs) right? Like, so it's 62 pages long and I don't know what to keep. And they're just like, whoa, like, like they've asked for a glass of water and you've like got at them with a fire hose, it's right? Like,
0: here's the fire hose. Like, here you and go. And then I'm ashamed High of High pressure myself. washer right there. There you go. Is that would, helpful? Like,
1: feel better if people could say to me, oh, you should read this book. Like, oh, this section needs a little bit more support, but they're just like, oh my God, there's so much here. I fainted, right? Like, and I don't even know. I'm embarrassed about my too muchness. As I'm writing it, I'm super excited by all my ideas and all yeah. my factoids and all my connections yeah. that I'm making, but I see how much... I've produced and I think like, who am I to ask anybody else to read this, especially since like everybody except my friend Frankie reads slower than me. Frankie reads faster than me. And I will tell you, I was some threatened by it the first time I saw it, you know, like you're reading a document together on a screen and uh, I'd be like, let me know when to scroll. And she started scrolling like, wait, I'm not done. It's like, oh, that's never happened to me before. Yeah. What? Right. So I just, I feel like when I ask people for that kind of help that, um, that they think less of me because of how much I have produced, right. And how overwhelming my maximalism is. I feel like I've exposed a very vulnerable part of me that makes them think I have no self-control
0: or I'm not a good writer or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I always, I always felt that when I wrote a lot, when I was blogging a lot, I still kind of do blog a lot, but I, you know, I'm writing for a lot of different things is that People would always, particularly in the early days of blogging, where it was, I'm writing the wrong things, Mm. right? Mm. I was always very sort of, you know, especially when I was like, I can't, um, you know, I can't find a job and all that kind of stuff. And they're like, well, that's because you're writing the wrong things, right? (laughs) You're spending all your energy writing the wrong things. I'm like, I have 10 peer reviewed journal articles as well. Like I like, and so it's. For me, it was I and it's it's sort of the same, right? It's like I'm writing the wrong things, right? I am writing a lot, um, but it's not the right things that I should be writing. I'm just mm-hmm. writing what you know, I want to write where the ADHD brain takes me. I'm actually I I agree to write an interview with myself about what it's like to write as somebody with ADHD. Oh my god. Ask me wild. if I have been able to do it. No. 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 <sighs>
1: I think that brings up an interesting like side quest there, Lee, is that sometimes like people may judge our maximalism because ADHD maximalism comes out differently than neurotypical overwork might come out, right? It's the strange connection um, between two quite disparate things or a series of connections where somebody would have expected maybe something a little bit more linear or it's um, personal disclosures where people would have expected a bit more formality and detachment, right? So that that the sort of ADHD maximalism is not just too much of what neurotypical people would also produce. It's too much. Like and it's also very different. Yes. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So it's it's both of those things. It's like too much and the wrong stuff simultaneously.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, that's exactly it. Like You know, it's it's the same, well, how do you write so much? How are you how are you so brave in what you share? And I'm just like, I literally have no advice for you for that because it's like this is just how it is. Yeah, that's and that's shitty advice as well. That's not what they're looking for, and so like I gotta. Sorry, sorry, anyone who I've given writing advice to, but like, I'm just making the shit up because like, this is just like, basically now my answer is have ADHD, right? That's how I write so much. That's how I write so much. And I'm so brave with what I disclose because I have ADHD and this is just how I work. Like, yeah, because it doesn't feel like a choice,
1: right? Like if it was a choice, you would feel a little bit more confident when you ask people to help you with things, right? But when it just feels like an unstoppable tidal wave of disclosures and ideas, Uh, and fun facts about John Carpenter and Ernest Borgnine. You would not believe, Lee, I have to tell you, the number of cast members of Escape from New York who have actual military backgrounds, who've served in various sorts of wars. Ernest Borgnine had military experience? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, And the guy who played the commander, Bob Hawk, whose name I can't remember right now, military experience, Donald Plaisance, who uh, played the president in that movie who was also in the Halloween movies as the doctor uh, he also had a military background and was British I could just I could just wow keep going because I cut all of this stuff after I learned it and you know what down. you
0: need to do Amy what? you know what you need to do you need to start a blog <laughs> Cut back from my book about yeah no exactly <laughs> no I mean like like that is because I'd read the shit out of that Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, on it, then again, I'm also like the target audience. Right. Like, right. you know, I'm bored. Let me go to Amy's blog and see what rabbit holes she can bring me on tonight. Um, like
1: but- ideally someday I would turn into like Matt Kirschenbaum, who like drops these little footnotes in his very serious, like great. Oh, yes. Very well written like academic books, but then there'll be this like little footnote at the bottom that's like this total fan-ish reference to some arcane fact from something. am like, I love you, Matt. I don't have that self-control. I tend more towards like the David Foster Wallace sort of yeah. and overreach, except it's cute when he does it because he's an intellectual. And for me, it's like a excess and hysteria, right? because of, yeah. of of who I am or what I've disclosed about myself. Right. So maybe I'll I just couple, like try I have to be a
0: couple of those. I have a couple of those footnotes in my, in my book. I have a yeah, couple that, of yeah, those. There you go. Where...
1: But like, are they like David Foster Wallace level infinite just footnotes? One of which is 60 pages long. No,
0: it's not quite right? like that, but it is the fun fact anecdote because okay. I did archival research right? and right. Discovered a whole bunch of stuff in the archival research, nothing to do with my book. Right. Yeah. But it's like, by the way, if you were wondering about who wrote this on un- this like anonymous poem, apparently it was, these two people and i found out because i read it in the letters yes and people must know i learned it people must know yeah people must know and i just want to drop it in there as a fun fact in the footnote um you know it's or lee why do you keep finding more anthologies to study i'm like because they're there because i'm like yeah but why is it interesting i'm like because they're there yeah and i haven't done it yet yeah Yeah. and i haven't done it yet nobody else has so it's a different dress pattern yeah Thankfully, now, again, it's this idea of like, how do you organize things? To go back to that is that I had to develop my own, my own visual organization and digital organization so that I could like, like you were talking about share about like having a computer program That that's my Airtable spreadsheet, right? My Airtable that I got as a template because like I tried doing it in Dropbox and then I would, you know, the, the names of the patterns don't tell me anything right? Right. This is the Irma dress. I'm like, I don't, Uh and then, and then it was line drawings. And so I created it, but then the line drawings didn't tell me anything. So then I had to find the pictures of it. So I have pictures and line drawings. And so that that way I can actually see, and I have all the, all the fabrics, Um, you know, and, and that now I've actually sort of stopped buying patterns because I'm like, Ooh, that's a nice one. Wait, let me check and see if I have one that looks incredibly like that one. It's like, Wow, yes, I do. Okay, maybe I don't need a 17th shirt dress pattern.
1: Yeah. So this but. is like <laughs> similar to another conversation um that I was part of on Facebook with another one of my friends from grad school, TL Cowan, uh, who was asking about like, I have this book project that's late. How do I like or have you used Scrivener? Have you used all this stuff, have you used this stuff. And I was like, okay, you know, unpopular opinion. What if you uh did not try to increase through external means your working memory right because what if if it's too much for you to remember it's too much for the book right yeah that was where I started thinking about the usefulness of forgetting things like about pruning stuff. Because if I like, and I've done this, it looks like this crazy, like hostage taker wall of like conspiracy theory, red strings between bits of stuff. Like, because like, I want to make it the most elaborate sort of cat's cradle in the world. I want need to all every idea that I have, I think like, if I could just connect them the right way, I could keep all of them. Yeah. But that is a lie that I am telling myself. Right. So that what I need is to really uh, only have one string. Right. Eventually. So, but that's a muscle I have not Quite developed is the capacity no. to edit in that way because I think all of these things are equally fascinating to me, babies. and if I just find my a way,
0: babies, they're like babies. babies.
1: If I just find a way to connect them, right?
0: Which, which my brain should time. be able to do because it's done yeah. it in the past. Right. Like yeah. I can make these connections. They're yeah. there because they've every, randomly
1: done it before. I yeah, just but need
0: the right trigger. <laughs> every
1: year that you get smarter, right. Every year that you read more anthologies, every year that you go to more archives, the more impossible, the task of using it all becomes. Yeah. yeah. Right. As I was reading that, like, um, you know, like there's this like cliche about aging is that like you forget things and like you're not as quick and you're not as clever and like you don't pick stuff up as fast all this stuff and and some new aging into research is saying yeah but the flip side of that is you know what older people are forgetting is already more than what young people know because older people have so much sort of life experience and such an accumulated stock of sort of knowledge and skills that like if you forget the name of the actor that was on that movie the name that you also forgot that came out maybe when you lived in British Columbia but maybe when you lived in Alberta you don't know that's trivial that forgetting compared to like you know how to make a perfect three-minute egg or like you know how to get the lawnmower unstuck or you know what storm windows are for like all of those those things right so that there's a, a way in which we've pathologized forgetting particularly ADHD people and we think like oh I just need a system right where I can remember everything but the more you know right? The more heroic the lengths you have to go to, to make all of that fit in a coherent system. Um, yeah. And you're just turning the fire hose on people who only want a sip of water and you're setting yourself like a impossible task. And like Scrivener is not going to help you when the problem is you have too many ideas.
0: Yeah. Because right? you're going to get to the end and then you're going to forget what you wrote at the beginning anyways. Yeah, and like-, like
1: a Scrivener for your Scrivener, right? They yeah. need to be making notes about your notes. Because like, you need a book for your not? book.
0: Yeah, you need a I book like, for your book,
1: need a book for my book, right? Like, I'm going to turn yeah. this chapter into a book, but then I work long enough on that chapter. I'm like, no, no, this chapter inside my chapter that's now a book is going to be its own book, right? Like, oh, I need to make like the notes of the main points, but then there's too many main points. I'm going to make a summary list of the main points about the main points. Like, like, if you're at that sort of level of triple layers of abstraction so that you can keep it all in your head, maybe it's too much.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that's
1: okay. Right? Yeah. That is maybe okay. You have too many patterns. Maybe you don't need to buy any more fabric right now. Maybe you're just like, if you can't remember it all. You sound maybe- like my husband at the moment. Maybe ah. you don't need to. <laughs> so Murray and I had a little chat beforehand. Uh- yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I've actually been, I've been actually good because I do, I am going through like my like planned projects and feeling overwhelmed by it. Right. But, But to me in a productive kind of way, because it is keeping me from oh, I need to buy more fabric or, oh, right. I need to, I need to buy another pattern. It's sort of like, no, I really, I have more than enough and I have more than enough that is new and interesting that it will keep me interested in my current sewing project. So I sort of have it, I even now sort of strategize and have it planned where it's like, I have my summer projects and then further down the list, I have things that have sleeves and take heavier fabric. And so right. I know I I don't need to worry about these because these are, these are when I get bored of summer patterns. Right. I'm going to move it and it'll probably, it will happen sooner or later, but then I have these fall patterns that I can then start working on. So then I have that, you know, I'll make a summer pattern and go like, Oh, I have nowhere to wear this now because you know, it's It's October below freezing. Right. Um, Whereas, right. I can make something and be like, look at me. I made a, made a pattern and I can wear it right away because it's, you know, Yeah, so maybe your
1: organization system there is not about, like, fooling yourself that an overwhelming number of things is not overwhelming. Maybe it's about allowing you to see the novelty, the opportunities for novelty in what you already have. Like, it's a way of, like, having all your toys out on the desk at the same time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Your desk, right? That there are ways to not be bored that do not involve something completely new that you're going to buy, Yep. right now or maybe there's a way that I can work on my book revisions that is new that does not involve me you know looking up uh the links between all of the actors in Escape from New York and the other John Carpenter movies they have appeared in and what their reputations as actors were and what types of military experience they had like I don't need to do that to find maybe something you, you don't need
0: to uh, build a something in tableau connecting all of that like that's <laughs> You need a
1: spreadsheet? It, the, the main female character um maggie uh played by adrian barbeau who at the time was uh married to john carpenter um and uh everybody else is like in this hideous dystopia but somehow the women um managed to have very elevating bras and fresh perms <laughs> and access to uh cosmetics but i was like adrian barbeau that is like the most french canadian name ever louisiana yeah right uh, okay. uh so there yeah. is some some french there's some like sort of yeah. uh, french roots there and stuff but like i did a deep dive into the movies of adrian barbeau who uh played the daughter on Maud.
0: oh
1: right which okay. i also know and which she said like it turned out after a while that it didn't matter what i said on that show because people just like to watch my boobs coming down the staircase
0: uh-huh.
1: is a fact i also know about adrian barbeau and also <laughs> that um Oh my god, I've just forgotten the actress's name who played Maud Dorothy from Golden Girls. Yes. Mm-hmm. Name completely escapes me right now. I'll uh, back to B later. Arthur. B Arthur. Yeah, that B Arthur was a delight to work with and that Adrian Barbeau did not really realize what kind of professionalism B Arthur was manifesting until she worked on other shows and also that working on Maud was a complete delight um, and a life changer. Mm. That's not going in my book. Lee, my book yeah. is about personal computers in the 1980s. <laughs> Why? My book is a
0: bad person.
1: (laughs) It is. (laughs) I love it so much. (laughs) We know the whole history of the Bandstand Boogie song that is one of the only recorded songs used that's not by John Carpenter in Escape from New York, which was classically, of course, the theme from American Bandstand, Yeah, um, which I know also the entire history of that show, including Dick Clark's many leavings and returns and its move from um pennsylvania to uh los angeles and then to new york and it's brief you know uh flame out through ryan seacrest and how michael jackson revived it's like why lee do i know this i have four pages on escape from new york none of this went in there right why why because maximalism so much more interesting than working on the transition sentences right
0: yeah god help me we are like the, like ADHD, you know, and again, there's the judges, but like little kids with their fun facts, yeah. like that's just what, you know, like they can spout off everything about dinosaurs and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Cause it's adorable. And it's like mm-hmm. dinosaur, sure. Or my son with bugs or, mm-hmm. you know, Pokemon or whatever. Like, this is just, this is where we end up, right? Like if yeah. that, we never let go or get rid of, or I don't think let go is the right word, but we never, we never lose that there. Let's put it that way. We never lose it. Right. And there's something actually I, I have, I, I find there's something really refreshing about that because we maintain a sense of wonder, Mm -hmm. right. That at times is really frustrating, but at other times is just, you know, I, I feel, I, I do. Like, I will feel bad for people who don't have that, who aren't interested in, in learning new things as useless as that information may be. Right? Um, like,
1: for example, that Kurt Russell was a Disney child star and that his oh, I knew first that. major movie uh, role um, was playing Elvis in a biopic. And then from that, he went on to um, escape from New York. Did you know that lee because
0: i knew he was a child star and mostly yeah. because of the wonderful world of disney on That's like right. sunday nights where they would Absolutely. rerun that
1: and right and so that
0: was all those old old mm-hmm. movies and mm-hmm. um and so like i remember those i was like is that, that guy from the disney movies when i saw yeah. him in like on like overboard it wasn't escape from yeah. new york <laughs> oh my overboard, god Overboard is series. another <laughs> That's... highly problematic movie but, highly like, problematic yeah. yeah highly problematic movie um but you so, know, like, it was it was on TV, right? And it was yeah. PG thirteen or like it was PG, and it wasn't yeah. R, so you were. I think to I watch saw it in the cinema.
1: Actually, I'm <laughs> from a small town, there was not a lot available to watch. Yeah, but like
0: exactly, Tom and I saw
1: a long time ago. We used to watch What Not to Wear, and they oh, I love that show. I love that me show. Me too. I love it so much. And they grabbed this woman once. She was a a professor, um, in Puerto Rico, and. Uh, the setup, you know, cause they always ambush people, right? Yeah. There's a mm-hmm. setup where there's like a pretext that there's going to be cameras there. And they had, this like was so cruel. They had set her up um, to give a talk. At her own university right and like so she starts this talk which i am watching and i said to tom like i just started as a professor I'm like oh my god she's actually been preparing for this talk for two months right yeah and so and then they like sort of ambush her and she's so shocked and she accepts the the credit the five thousand dollar credit card to yeah. do the the makeover uh and then she's like i just i have to give my talk now they're like no 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 there there is no talk and what she said which like tom and i still say to each other to this day when i go on my like did you know this about kurt russell and ernest borgnine and like whoever Adrian barbo uh but I have so many ideas I want to disseminate.
0: That's what she said. I know, like, in 2004, oh I had we saw that. I have to go online now and find this episode. Yeah, she was, was just like watching. clutching,
1: clutching this sheaf of papers that was her research talk. And she said, But I have so many ideas I want to disseminate. <laughs> Me too. What not to wear, oh lady? God. Me too. <laughs>
0: it's too much, Lee. He's my new Patronus. <laughs> I know. <laughs>
1: So I'm sorry to everybody listening if this episode has been too much and I am sorry to everybody listening if you yourself experience your own self as too much, right This is something Lee and I are obviously still struggling with this yeah. this mismatch between our capacity to absorb information, and spit it out in chunks with our inability to manage it into something of a scale and shape that other people are able to engage with in the required formats. We don't know. Our brains are stuttering about this. I have used this episode purely as a pretext to dump on you all the facts about movies from the 80s that I had to cut from the chapter I'm working on this weekend. I'm not willing to let them go. So I'm just using this podcast as a way of like, look, I learned a thing. I have so many ideas I want to disseminate about. And Lee wants to talk about sewing, right? We are too much. We are too much and never enough.
0: And and no, that is not true. That is (sighs) not true. You know, it's not true. You know, it's not true. That, (laughs) oh, you know, that's not true. It is, we are, it makes us in a lot of ways, better parents. It makes us much better teachers. Mm -hmm. Um, It makes us more interesting writers, I -hmm. would say. Um, You know, it makes us fun at parties.
1: (laughs) Yeah. As long as they are not
0: too loud because I have to go home. As long as you're not too, well, no, I know that. (laughs) Uh, And as long as it's like an appropriate reference and an appropriate, like Mm -hmm. not so much at funerals, um, Mm -hmm. but you know, which awkward but but yeah i mean it, it's it's this idea and i think that that's i think that that's the, the it's just different right and then that's the hardest thing is that it's it's just different um and it, the the you know we've said this lots of times the world is not set up to um you know we are not the the world is set up with a certain standard right yeah um, the neurotypical standard. And we don't meet that standard. We mm-hmm. will never meet that standard. No. Um, but you know, there are lots of other, you know, the there are lots of other things that we're really good at. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, trivia, it's,
1: for example,
0: yeah. Trivia, for example, really <laughs> random trivia. If they, if they had a, that, that, the time that the Jeopardy has category 80s, dystopian, yeah. um, like, masculinity, oh uh, <laughs> movies. Yeah. Or even just John Carpenter at that John point, Carpenter. right? Like it's just like, just like John Carpenter yeah, as, a, as a category and I'm like, yeah. phone this friend, phone this friend. <laughs> <laughs> the double jeopardy or like the final jeopardy is John Carpenter. <laughs> like <double laughs> Amy's double. like, all your money, just bet it all. Just get Be the all. money you bet don't have. You're all yeah. getting it back. This I'm is... perfectly confident. I have so many ideas I want to disseminate. Yeah, but, it, but I mean, I think that, that that is the hardest part, right? Is that- um you know, particular in the academia, because the standards are so rigid, mm-hmm. right? And the expectations are so inflexible, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, the way we butt up against them and just like get, are crushed by them, you know, is less a, a comment on us and more just a comment on those standards and norms, Yeah, right? Where we have, I mean, we've basically set ourselves up for failure. Yeah. Right. That's exactly yeah. what has happened. We have set ourselves up for failure, um, because we are evaluating ourselves against a standard that was not developed with us in mind at all. And if it was developed with us in mind, it was developed with us in mind to control, us. basically punish and control and yeah. conform and shape us into a way that is understandable and legible and under- right? understated. Right. Right. And, and I, it's I not think, to say that we shouldn't try because like, again, people, we do want people to read our stuff. So we have yeah. to make it that way, but to expect that it just be easy, you yeah. know, it's, is, is, is uh, you're, you know, you're doing yourself a disservice and you're not being fair to yourself. Right. Um, yeah. I, I think there's
1: a way in which it's very easy for us to buy into that narrative as well. Oh Yeah, for sure. Like, seeing as ADHD itself is always Sort of understood as a disorder of too muchness right you're too loud you're too messy you're too aggressive you're too physical you're too fidgety you talk too much right it's it's too much too much too much too much and so even when our sort of too muchness is a gift like our infinite curiosity and sense of wonder um, and our capacity to like you and I, for example, to read things very quickly and to understand them very quickly and interpret them, spit it back out with an opinion attached to it very quickly. Um, I mean, is is a gift, but, but if you have always been described as too much, it's very easy to misrecognize your own gifts of too muchness um, as gifts and not as deficits, even yeah. and particularly when you understand that those gifts are a mixed blessing too, and you would like some help moderating the excesses of your muchness without characterizing the whole enterprise as always already too much.
0: Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I, so I think that it's, um, and also it's, it just can be really hard to find other people who get that. Yeah. Right. Where, uh, you know, you're talking about like readers who pass out from it and I'm sort of like, I wouldn't, but then again, I also have ADHD, right? Like, but i found like, for me, the moment that sort of crystallized for is when I was, I was in my PhD um, and so fairly early and not saying that it fixed it, but saying that I finally recognized what other people were saying about my writing. So I was editing a book and this author, I think, was another grad student as well. I was editing a book on Anne Bar, and she would submitted this essay, and it was this great essay, and it had two paragraphs that were a fascinating aside, right? And I was, like, reading it and reading it and reading it, and I'm like, huh, that's really interesting that she made that observation. That's cool. I like that observation. And then reading and reading and reading, and she never connected it to the larger argument other than the fact that it was an observation that happened to be about the same two books that the rest of the essay was about right right and so i was like and it was killing me right because i'm like this is so interesting and then i was like but it put it in a footnote or something because it it doesn't help the essay and then i finally was like oh my god that's what i do like i finally get it oh And so it took reading somebody else doing it, but it also gave me the capacity to be able to communicate that in a way that was, I hope, caring and supportive as opposed to understanding and encouraging and being like, I didn't notice that either. That's a really great thing. However, Right, let's move it into a footnote so that we retain it and we keep it, or maybe even put it aside because I think this could make a really great other essay. essay. Yeah. Right, See, well, that was especially really as a grad student. Problem.
1: This chapter yeah. could be its own book, uh-oh.
0: Well, but as a grad student that, that, I mean, in particular, I knew how important it was at that point in the stage of career that you get the encouragement yeah. that this thing that you found could be something and you should write more about it rather than like saying it in a way that this is garbage right yeah. like there's there are two very there are two very distinct ways that grad students here you need to cut this yeah right true. it's you need to cut this because you're wrong or that's you know all of that or you need to cut this because while interesting and and worth exploring not the place where it here yeah right um so that you know and and maybe when you're mid career you don't need that advice as much but you know but like no, I do I do yeah. all the time But, but, but again, well, maybe not the, it could be its own book thing. Uh, (laughs) Too many books to finish already. No more books for me. Yeah. But, but again, there is, there, there is that capacity though, I think as well with our experience with that is that we, it, it makes like one of the reasons why it makes us better parents and better teachers and maybe better editors in some cases is because we have this tremendous amount of empathy for what the writer or student or our kid is going through. Yeah, right? That it's it's sort of like, you know, it 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 is writ large. I would never talk to another person the way I talk about or to myself. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, writ large, right? Like yeah. just <laughs> And and so Yeah.
1: Uh, we have a shorthand um, at my house where uh, I will say to my kid now side quest. <laughs> Because like they'll be trying to tell me a story after they've been in online school all day, and like often we go for a walk with this like half an hour route that we do around the neighborhood because like they really need to get their energy back into and out of their body simultaneously. And like so, tell me about stuff. And I'm like, I can hear the commas, right? I can hear the commas proliferating. I'm like, please finish one sentence, yeah, and then start the next sentence because like so far we're like six subclauses in finish one idea first because you just went on a side quest you're going to tell me about this one thing but we're like four topics removed from that now so that's like our our
0: shorthand as we say side quest Um, and that's been and that's been challenging with online school right because it's like they haven't talked to anyone all day
1: (laughs) i know so much about pokemon
0: i don't want i know so much about oh gosh so my daughter watches these minecraft videos but they're this like whole family of people and they have like their own fictional world that they've created with storylines and there's like Canon and it's the Dream SMP and there are all the characters and they all have their own Twitch channels. Right, okay. Um, This feels like a good place to stop Yeah. because I don't want
1: to learn about it, Lee. No. (laughs) I'm sorry that you have to learn all about it.
0: Man, nodding and smiling and like just being like, I'm so happy you have something that you care this deeply about. Amen. Amen. But well, yeah, so this probably is a good place to stop because maximalist, we've gone an hour and 40 minutes. So like I might, I might make this three, let's be honest. Woo-hoo. Although I
1: was fairly It's gonna coherent. be the maximalist episodes about maximalism.
0: <laughs> Part one, two and three.
1: because because Lee, we, we had so many ideas we wanted yeah. to disseminate.
0: Well, it it can't be any more ironic. Well, this one isn't ironic, but it was the three-part Marie's condo one where it was like, let's talk about cutting down for three hours. Yeah.
1: Do all of these episodes spark joy? Maybe, but we're not going to edit them because that's not how we roll. We're just going to cut them into pieces. Sort it out yourselves, listeners.
0: Yeah. We hope that it sparked some joy. It sparked joy for us. So like at the end of the day. (laughs) That's right. So um, as always... I'll probably say this two more times in the intros and outros for all of the cuts, but I'll do it officially with both of us here. Um, as always, I am um, ready writing on Twitter.
1: And I am at DigiWonk on Twitter. Follow me for all the cut
0: bits from my section on Robocop and, and other John Carpenter movies. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you can always email us at all the things, adhd at gmail.com. Um, please share your fun facts with us. What are, what are those things that, um, you have a lot of, um, I'm not going to say useless, but, uh, perhaps less than relevant knowledge about, Side quests. Um, share side your side quests. quests, share your side quests with us. Right. Um, ask me about vegetable snack cakes. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, always, you can also find us at the website, all the Um, so with that, uh, have, uh, a great rest of whatever, whenever it is in the day or week you are listening to this, um, whenever we, the day or week that we managed to get this episode to air. Yeah or point. whenever you manage to actually listen to it as well right like it's there's mm-hmm. there's lots of layers here There's lots of so layers, layers of, of like yeah. but we will be here whenever you have a chance to to get here and to get to us so that's okay um that's the other great thing about podcasts right they can sit on or books it can sit on your dresser but it's there when you need it so, so true we're ready for it so take care everyone Bye bye. Uh, we'll see you next time Woo-hoo!